0: Alright, it's now 7.29 looks like to me, and uh, we'll be try to be punctual and right to the point here tonight, but I have a lot a lot, a lot I want to say. Second Corinthians eight, Second 2 Corinthians 8 verses 1 to 15, we read it last week, we'll touch on it again here, hopefully towards the end of our lesson. 2 uh, Corinthians 8, 1 to 15, and 2 Corinthians 9, which happens to be 15 verses, are the two classic passages of Scripture of what's called Faith Promise Missions. I'd like to look for the first several minutes at the last half, though, of chapter number eight here and just introduce this subject and by the fact that, you know, that internet can be a very wicked thing, of course, as most of you know here. And you get on the internet, the web, as we call it, and uh, you can find pros and cons of every ism and thing and belief system out there, there is. And uh, a couple, three years ago, I went online and I, I saw the scathing criticisms that came up with Faith promise mission that it 's not biblical it 's man made it 's uh, propounded by fanatical independent fundamental Baptists, which is a lot of untruth in even that statement there because there 's plenty of churches that do faith promise missions. The modern day faith promise missionary movement began in one thousand nine hundred and twenty eight by a guy named Oswald j. Smith in the people 's Church in Toronto, Canada. If you google this you 'll find this out and uh and uh, I just wanted to kind of debunk the idea that Faith Promise Missions is a man-made scheme here in just the minutes that we have. We've not followed cunningly devised fables or science falsely so-called, or we're making an, an application of the Word of God. I mentioned this last week in just in way review. Yes, the offering, as yes, we read about in 2 Corinthians 8 and 9, was going to be given to the church, was given to the church at Jerusalem because of one of the three, some say four, serious famines they had in the 40s and 50s. And these are all documented in secular history as well as prophesied by Agabus in, in the book of Acts before it happened in the early 40s. Uh, he prophesied there'd be great dearth and throughout uh, what we know of today as some people call Palestine. And so this offering was given toward the poor saints of Jerusalem. That's true. But there's one interpretation of Scripture with many applications. And I want to just read verses 16 through the end of the balance of the verse 24 it is of chapter 8 and make comment as we go. But faith-promised missions is a good way to fund missions. It's a, it's a, I think it's a biblical way. Some people don't like the term because they say it's not found in the Bible. Well, a lot of terms that we believe in are not found in the Bible. I believe in the Trinity, and all God's people said, Amen. but you won't find the word Trinity in the Bible. I believe in the rapture, but in our King James Bible, we won't find the word rapture in the Bible. You'll find it in the Latin and so forth. You, you see, but you see these truths taught. And for lack of a, sometimes people that make a criticism of faith-promised missions. By the way, if you don't believe in tithing, New Testament tithing, you don't believe in faith promise missions because you can't have one without the other. And that's another subject. I won't take the thirty seconds to try to explain that in a sound bite. But faith promise missions sometimes is known as grace giving. You want to change the name? That's fine with me. Grace giving or missions giving, call it whatever you want. But we see the principle here in these verses before us. And I just want to, with that said, in way of introduction, uh, I want to begin in verse 16, pick up the reading of, again, chapter 8. And uh, I'm just going to, this is the less preached portion of, of Acts, and we're going to try to do this in just a few minutes again, and then go back to chapter, the first verses of chapter 8. But verse 16, But thanks be to God, which put the same earnest care into the heart of Titus, for you, Now we know about Titus, of course, and he, of course we have a book written to Titus by Paul. And we think that, now, we don't know this, but we think some Bible scholars believe that Luke was the brother, literal, physical brother of Titus, Luke the writer of Acts and Luke, of course. And we read, if we go back to Acts, we won't take the time to do this, but there were some eight men, they, they traveled in, a, um, in Paul's missionary journeys, you know, had men that, came in and dropped out and, and, you know, on their missionary entourage. We read about several of these men, Sopater and Sosthenes and Trophimus and Tycheus, to name a few and names that we read about once or twice or three times in the word of God. But uh, Titus was sent by the churches. Now if we were to go back to Acts 13, very important and I touched on this in one of the messages just recently. In Acts 13 we see that the church sent out Missionaries that were led by the Holy Ghost, Paul and Saul of Tarsus, which becomes Paul, and Barnabas being the first two, that church in Antioch, they sent out missionaries. The missionaries would be sent out from the local New Testament church. I wanted to just say all that to establish that principle. We don't have a denomination, we send out our missionaries from local New Testament churches. And he's going around to different churches to collect money. For this missionary endeavor, verse 17, for indeed the, he accepted the exhortation or Titus heard the call and said, I'll, I'll, I'll do this, I'll be one of the ambassadors. But being more forward of his own accord, he went unto you. He said, I'll go, I'll go into Macedonia, dangerous Macedonia, and I'll go and I'll speak to the churches there. And I'll, I'll go to Achaia, and I'll go to Corinth, that worldly church. That's uh, Marty Shot uh, underlying interpretation. What he said, he was said, I, "I'll do this." Verse eighteen, and we went, and we, and and we have sent with him the brother. Now uh, we don't know who the brother really is. Some think, some scholars believe, it was Luke himself, whose praise is in the gospel throughout all the churches. So he was a famous brother. He just named him as a brother, and uh, he said, "I'm sending these two guys with you to." to prep you for this mission's giving. Do you know what's happening next Wednesday night? It's the first night of five, five days where we're prepping. We're bringing in Brother Tony Belava, and he's going to prep us. He's going to encourage us to give to Faith Promise Missions starting you know, the week of uh, Faith Promise, and of course the week after that for the period of one year. We're going to adopt these, this principle that we see here in this, these verses here. It says, and not verse 19, or pardon me, let me finish verse 18, I don't think I finished it, whose praise is in the gospel throughout all the churches, all the called out assemblies. Now, there's so much here, and I don't have time to go real deep, but we don't believe in, the Bible doesn't teach us denominations, but uh, there was a fellowship, no doubt, of churches, church at Thessalonica, church at Berea, church at... uh, uh, Laodicea, churches, the seven churches of Asia Minor, these churches of like faith, in, uh, 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 and and this church at Corinth. And these, in Paul's missionary journeys, he went to all these churches. These men went to these called-out assemblies. They went to local New Testament churches. And it says, verse number uh, 19, And not, not that only, but who was also chosen Get this chosen of the churches to travel with us, uh, 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 with us with this grace. This the churches chosen. They, you know, brother Tony, uh, and I, I. I could get real deep in the minutia. of, uh, I only just run it ten seconds, so you understand. If uh, when I, I was a missions major in college, of course, I didn't. I wasn't a pastoral major. I was a missions major, and so we had to go real deep into this. Stuff and uh, which I never talk about, but there, I had to do a ten-page term paper. I remember on the, the the scripturality or unscripturalness of mission boards. And some churches don't believe in mission boards, and some independent Baptist churches do not believe in mission boards because missionaries are not sent out from mission boards but from local churches. and That I totally agree with, but it's kind of like uh, I look at it this way. I think there's a purpose for mission boards. They can do. We, we give them sanction. We give them, uh, I use BAC as a classic example. Nowhere in the Bible does it say you should have an outside financial firm to do your books. But I have learned as a pastor, it's one of the best decisions we ever made to have uh, outside accounting and somebody that partner with us to help us. The same with mission boards. There's a, there's a strength in the mission boards and could be, the argument could be used in the really strength and denominations and I understand that and I won't go into getting too deep here. The point is, missionaries are to be chosen and sent from churches. And the point is that missionary ambassadors, Tony uh, Balava, classic example, he's coming from BIMI, but he's really going to be joining a church there, a Stanley Heights Baptist Church. Probably, he's probably already joined it. Uh, now, by the way, I, the first time I've even said this, we've, we've suggested or we've thought about this was his original home church. Tony needs a home church. And uh, I, I think we're probably going to take second seat because Tony lives in Chattanooga, Tennessee and not in New Hartford, Connecticut. And so I think we're going to take second seat. But Tony's called from a local New Testament church to be a blessing to other churches. I don't know if you, 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 hopefully you're following what I'm trying to, the principles that we've we've tried to adopt, we've tried to be as close to the Bible as we can be. It says, uh, verse 19, the middle part of the vir- which which is administered, by us in the glory of the same Lord and declaration of your ready mind. So there was this collective effort to go to the churches and get this missions money, this grace, this charis, this, this grace gift to this, these, the church in the needy church in Jerusalem. He goes on to say, verse 20, avoiding this, that no man should blame us in this abundance which is administered by us. By the way, faith, promise, giving is abundant giving. It's above and beyond the tithe. It's not by commandment. There's no coercion here. This is above and beyond. And uh, verse number 21, providing for honest things, not only in the sight of the Lord, but also in the sight of men. And, uh, I mean, th- this offering was taken. There was no embezzlement. Uh, there was no, uh, this offering was taken, and I'm sure 100% of it went to uh, to, uh uh, the cause of Christ of course and you know there's some small administration cost. By the way I just wrote this, somebody told me very authoritatively and I don't want to talk about our I get called by our police union, I get called by them every year. They say call the church, they send a letter and we've given money to the police fund for uh, they help kids out supposedly and so forth. Now I heard uh, from a very reliable source and I don't want to impugn Torrington nor do I want to impugn anybody, a police force in in anywhere in Connecticut, I don't know what the numbers are, but somebody who had very I could tell you who it is, doesn't matter they had very common knowledge that 70 percent that, that of the money collected by a certain police department for charity, 70 percent goes to the people that are collecting the money in administration costs, only 30 percent goes to actual the, the needs. And that's just, that's just wrong. And uh, it's just it's just an abuse of money. It'd be, it'd people give by the millions of dollars to some of these organizations, and here we're given to the most important organization in the world. And Paul is encouraging them. He's saying that the money is being properly invested, and properly uh, proper stewardship is being taking place. First, number twenty-one, providing for honest things, not only in the sight of the Lord but also in the sight of men. There's a lot to be said there, and you know. And it sounds like a break and a boast, and I'll include our deacons and trustees involved in this. And I, the, over the years, I've given them more and more. Uh, I like the partnership for several reasons in regards to when we make money decisions around here. Uh, I like everybody to be on board as much as possible. You don't want to know, again, I'll use that word for the same time, minutia, all the little thousand little things that take place around here on a daily basis. Uh, uh, money-wise, but you want to know that your money is being well taken care of. And Paul says, listen, I'm telling you before God Almighty, inspired by the Holy Spirit of God, that, this is a, that the Lord is pleased with this, that we're not being abusive, and nor you can be assured that men of godly men of God, are watching over this and that we're doing this properly, honestly. And I can say that about our missions program and our faith promise giving as well. Verse number uh, 22, and we have sent with them our brother, uh, uh, commentaries, it could be Sosthenes, it could be Trophimus, it could be Tychius that we read about in Acts chapter 20. And there's several parallel passages we don't have time to go to, to where we find out Scripture, define Scripture, or rather interpret Scripture. But uh, it goes on to say, whom we have oft times proved diligent in many things, but now much more diligent upon the great confidence which I have in you. Now Paul is, I don't, shouldn't use the phrase buttering, starting to butter up uh, the Corinth, church at Corinth, but he, he does that in chapter 9. We looked at that the other day in our message. Uh, uh, I guess it was in Sunday school the other day, or Sunday night I guess it was. But it says, verse number 23, whether any do inquire of Titus, he is my partner and fellow helper concerning you, or our brethren be inquired of, how do we know these guys are not up and up? And Paul says, I'm telling you, you can trust these men. These are men of God. He goes on to say, they are messengers of the churches and the glory of Christ. He's giving them an acclamation. Romans ten fifteen says, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of good tidings. The greatest servants in the, in the, the world are uh, servants of God. They're doing God's work. Uh, just uh, pardon me, Brother Dave will know what I'm talking about. I, I, uh, I just uh, I could tell you who it is, but I just just two hours old. asked me after the service. Uh, an acquaintance of mine, an associate of mine, just got a three million dollar annual paycheck. Uh, that's going to get every year from now on to and to coach basketball of all things. To and uh, so they're going to pay him three million plus dollars a year to do that. And uh, now here's servants of God. Tony Balava and, and John Hornbeck, they're doing a great service to the work of God, a thousand times more important than a college basketball coach. But they're going to do it on about a thousand times less money. <laughs> and uh, the money, they're, they're going to be very careful with God's money and use it, whether it be the Allen Harts of the world or the Keith and Francis Gaines of the world. Uh, verse 24, Wherefore show ye to them and before the churches the proof of your love, Grace giving, faith promise giving is you, you, you can give and not love, but you cannot love in, without giving. And it's, it, 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 between you and God, it proves whether you, there's love there. And on our behalf, of, on, on our boasting on your behalf. And so let's go to, um, let's go to the worksheet here, and I want to try to finish up what we started last week here and go back to verse number one of chapter eight. But uh, we looked at just in 30 seconds more review what missions giving is not for time's sake we won't go through that again. What missions giving is in letter D it's by the servant it's, uh, it's, it's, it's a sacrifice and it's sustaining we looked at the widow and the, uh, Elijah came to and made the little cake first. The key word is first give of your best to the master. Then we looked at what missions giving will do. Uh, tonight we want to just finish up by looking at Roman Numeral 4. Missions giving is in a is in accord with New Testament Christianity, of course, Second Corinthians 8, verses 1 to 9. Let's look at verse number, uh, for time's sake, we'll go to verse number 3, and look at the first letter A, the commitment. Notice that the churches of Macedonia, which are Berea, Thessalonica, and Philippi, that's upper Greece, or western, extreme western, northern, uh, what we know of today as Turkey, And it says that they they were in great poverty. Verse number 2 alludes to that. The great trial of their affliction and abundance of their joy and their deep poverty. Verse number 3 says, But they gave for to their power, I bear record, yea, and beyond their power, they were willing of themselves. Beyond their power. And... uh, I find out that the people that give to missions are usually the people that, when they really get excited about giving to missions, they give beyond their power, not to their power, but even beyond their power. And I've said it many times, many different ways, but I'll just say it again. It's the, for lack of a better little phrase, it's the little person that gives to the work of God 99 times out of 100. It's the widow that gives. It's the person that you'd least likely expect. I can honestly say that And again, I always think of Roxanne when I start talking about money, specific money numbers. Roxanne knows more than anybody who actually gives around here, but she's always been tight-lipped about that. It's nobody else's business. It's just God knows, and that's all that really counts. But with that said, I know, I just find out little ways by accident or sometimes a few times on purpose. I find out somebody gave that it's like, how do they give? Uh, that's not the person that should give. It's the person that you know, gets a $50,000 bonus check at the end of the year or whatever the case is that you know, you'd think they would give. But that, 99 times out of 100, that's not who gives. It's the person that doesn't make 50000 in five years that gives, it seems like. It just, it's amazing to me. And this is the case with these, this poverty-stricken church or these churches in Macedonia. They gave beyond their means in verse number four, praying with us with much entreaty Asking us that we would receive the gift. Please take my gift. My love offering. And take upon us the fellowshipping, the ministering to the saints. We're doing this because we want to minister to the saints of God. Now verse number 5, notice their commitment. They gave. Notice letter A is the word commitment again. It's verse number 5. And this they did, not as we hoped. I mean, sometimes I'm, I have a maybe a number in my head. It's like, I hope that folks will give this X amount. And sometimes they give even more than that. It's like, well, did they give from their wallet or did they give from their heart? I think you know the answer. They gave from their heart via through their wallet. I guess you could say it that way. And this they did not as we hope, but first gave their own selves to the Lord and unto us by the will of God. You see, missions is not a, if I can pull my wallet out of my back pocket, I have a hard time doing that nowadays. There we go. It's not a M-O-N-E-Y thing. It's a H-E-A-R-T thing. Missions is a heart thing. If God gets your heart, he'll get your wallet, right? If he gets your heart, he'll get your time. He'll get your talents, your treasures, says, to use the T alliteration. And so there's a commitment. And then letter B, they first gave themselves notice. Consecration. And Romans 12, 1 and 2, we use all the time, but give our bodies a living sacrifice unto the Lord. I get, hey, this is a core crowd tonight. I can get away with saying this here, and some people would get offended. Uh, and get hurt and I, it may not come out right. I'm not against, this, if you, own or you drive a brand new car, I'm happy for you. In fact, I feel bad for you because I wish you could drive two or three or four or five new cars, I don't care. I'm happy for you, whatever your Lord's blessed you with. If you live in a half million dollar house or a million dollar house, I don't think anybody lives in that, but if you do, I'm happy for you. And uh, I, I'm not a jealous person in regards to that. I'd like to see when our, our Christians are prospered and blessed and uh, so forth. Now, with that said, and I, hopefully I can say this properly, but I noticed that folks that give to missions over the years and give the greatest sacrificers usually now, usually don't drive brand new cars. They usually don't live in half-million-dollar houses. They usually don't go on one month around around-the-world cru- cruises or what have you. So I said, this won't make Sunday morning preaching. It didn't come out right. <laughs> not against vacations. I'm not against nice things. What I'm trying to say is it's the... People that give and commit themselves to the things of the Lord they learned to live on a a little bit lesser uh regimen or luxury level than other people and I've just seen that over and over again there's a consecration with these people they didn't they didn't live as high in a hog as the Corinthian churches did i 'm digging a hole here. I want you to live high I want you to be happy I want you to be blessed but Notice the commitment. Notice the consecration. They gave it first of themselves. Then let letter C is the compassion. Verses 7 through 9, it tells us this. Why did they give? Because the preacher coerced them? Because you're not a good Christian if you don't give? No, none of that. Because uh, you know, they got guilted into giving? No, they wanted to give. They wanted to give to missions. Remember, God loves us in chapter 9, verse 6. He loves us as what kind of a giver? Or Is it six? Yeah, verse number seven, eight, where, where verse number seven, nine, seven, there it is. For God loveth a cheerful giver. So this shouldn't have to be coerced at all. God doesn't want your grudging gift, He wants your cheerful gift. So verse seven, let's look at it real quickly. Therefore, as you abound in everything and all the graces, in faith and in utterance and in knowledge, they had good knowledge, they had good doctrine. And in all diligence, they were hard workers. And in your love to us, they had love down. See that you abound in this grace also. What was that grace? Well, the grace of giving, the grace of missions giving. I speak not by commandment. Now, some people wrongly think that Paul said, and Paul was giving his opinion here, and this was inspired by the word of God. No, that's ridiculous. All scriptures can be by inspiration of God. Paul said, I speak not by commandment, this is not tithe, this is not Old Testament tithe, or New Testament tithe for that matter, but, this, but by occasion of the forwardness of others, and to prove the sincerity of your love. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be rich. I ask you a deep theological question. Would it have been all right for God not to send his son to die on the cross of Calvary if he chose to do that? Yes, you know, we didn't have to send 436,000 men to their death in World War II to save Europe and to save the world, but we did it anyhow. It would have been all right if we stayed home. It wasn't on our shores. You say, well, that'd be selfish. You say whatever you want, but we, we gave out of love. And God gave out a love, for God so loved the world. And it, to prove that, so this grace giving proves your compassion. That's what the Word of God says. Well, uh, ABC, next, Roman numeral 5 here, I've got just moments. Three ways Christians participate in missions giving. Number one, or letter A, sometimes people give carelessly, haphazardly. This uh, involves giving to anything and everything that comes along under the guise of missions. I do not give to the Ronald McDonald House. I'm being very blunt with you. I do not give to other organizations. Many organizations, I... I, everyone, I still out of guilt. I and only because of guilt, not because I feel compassion. But I'll give in the, the kettle at uh, Salvation Army. Nothing wrong with Salvation Army. I'm not saying that. I'm saying I only have so much expendable income to give. I got called by a missionary just yesterday or the day before Monday. I guess it was. They wanted to come. I I can't. I can't have him come. We only have so much missions money to give. We only have so much. Uh, ability ourselves and we have to pick and choose who we're going to have and who we're going to give our monies to. I want to give all my charitable income through the local New Testament church. Now you say, well, that's because you're the pastor of this church pastor. No, you're wrong. Wherever I'd be, if I was a member and just not a pastor of any church I would be in, I want to give my money through the local New Testament church that's doing the work of God. That's, that's where I want to give my charitable income. If you want to give towards... And nothing wrong. I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just saying that I want to give towards what is going to have the most effect. And uh, I I think there's plenty of valid, good organizations out there that you can give to, and I'm not saying shame on you if you give, but uh, I, I want to be very specific in where I give my money. Number, letter B, time's sake here. So some people give carelessly to missions, almost flippantly. Some people give impulsively. This is to give only when they feel like it, when your emotions are stirred. And uh, I'll just give a soundbite here. Uh, Again, I have to be careful. This Wednesday night I can get away with just being pretty blunt here. I've noticed that, quote-unquote, foreigners, people that talk different than us, than us normal people, you know, (laughs) Yeah, right, uh, I, I'm just teasing, I'm funning with you, but a little truth here too. That we have somebody with a serious accent or different culture and so forth, they'll pull on our heartstrings more, maybe rightfully so, maybe maybe wrongfully so, but we'll, we pull by emotionalism and not by where's, where's, the best money to, where's the best place to give our money to. Um, I say that in context that some of our best missionaries are right here in the United States. Uh, Doug Hounshell is out there in Mormon-dominated Muslim country, uh, doing a great job for Christ. He's not in, uh, 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 you know, quote, so-called foreign mission field, but he really is. Anyhow, some people can just give impulsively, sporadically, carelessly. Let her see here, and we're going to finish up here. Uh, how do we give to missions? We should give systematically. This is the best formula for giving, and. And uh, let me read the sentence here. This is is setting a certain amount aside regularly, weekly, monthly, yearly. This is a scriptural way to give uh, to missions. I alluded to it, and it's Wednesday night for the fourth time, so I can say this. This is strong meat. But I met uh, just a week ago with uh, the folks from the Cecil B. Day Foundation. Three hours we got together speaking with them. And I mentioned this last week, and I mentioned it. I mean, I hope they're wrong but they do statistical analysis. I think it's called, or they're statistic freaks, and they're gauging the churches in New England and far that matter out in America, and we're having a paradigm shift. Us baby boomers, pardon me, and us the generation, greatest generation. They're almost all dead. They're almost all gone. The baby boomers are the next to go, and this new generation, this generation. You know what the new generation is now? You know, Generation Z. Last time I checked, that's the last letter in the alphabet. There's no more after Z. You know, we could be, this could be it here in the next 10, 20, 30 years, who knows. But when this Generation Xers and the Millennials call them what you want, and this Generation Z, they're, they're, they have zero, the, 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 the prognostication hopefully it's wrong, is wrong. that admissions, faith, promise, and grace giving world missions is going to be taking a major, major Worldwide hit in the next five, 10, 20 years, it would be devastating because millennials don't know the, the commitment, long-term commitment. I hope they're wrong about that. I hope that's totally wrong, and I don't want to be in uh, on a, a negative note at all. But uh, I think the song has it right. so little time, the harvest will be over. This is the last we're in the living in the last days, there's no doubt about it, and God wants us to be found faithful. I think I've been, we've been working this Faith Promise missions program for thirty plus years in our church, and I don't apologize for it. I'm thankful for it, and if, if, if I have anything to apologize for, maybe I didn't, I haven't promoted it and pushed it enough. And uh, last illustration, I promise I'm done. Uh, in, uh you know, we've had some critiques, maybe some valid critiques over the years. I think at one point, and I, going back in our thirty-year history, thirty-plus-year history. I think at one point we got a little overextended. We got a little bit too, got the cart before the horse and so forth. Uh, The light that shines the brightest shines brightest at home. It's important that you have a strong sending organization. And our church has been very strong. But I will say this. I really believe that one of the reasons why God has blessed us, I alluded to this last week. I met a certain pastor last week, a different denomination, good guy, loves the Lord. I don't doubt that. And I, they to this day they don't have a building. To this day, you know, they they they. I imagine they're still on missionary support of some sorts, and they're not. uh, I think we we put God first, and I think again, God be all the glory. I think because we put God first early on in our church days, that God blessed us and God prospered us, and said, "Philippians 4:19." my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. God's been very good to our church. I think we don't give to get, but when you give, Jesus said, given and shall be given unto you. And uh, so I think there's a law of sowing and reaping. We find it in chapter eight, chapter nine, it's true. And I think if it's true for churches, I also think it's true for individuals. God will bless you as you give towards the work of God. Let's bow for prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Lord, I think we tried to. I tried to cram in a lot in a short period of time. I trust that, Lord, uh, some things were said that, Lord, would touch the heart of your dear people, Lord. Uh, Lord, I want to believe everybody here tonight loves you, and I believe that, quite frankly. We don't love you as we ought many times, but we do love you. Help us love you more. We pray for our missionaries. We pray for, Lord, our ability to give, work in our hearts. Lord, I pray for those that have not been here on Sunday nights and Wednesday nights to hear some intense teaching, we pray for next week. Lord, that your house would be much more fuller than it is tonight. Speak to their hearts as well, that they might come on out and be part of the missions, missions week and our missions conference. Bless Brother Blava as he preaches to us next week and be with Brother Hornbeck and Lieta. Bless them as well. And Lord, help us to be about your business, we pray. And we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's sing, you know, just about about... Uh, We'll sing, this thing's so little time.